this was about as bizarre and as easy as it gets. So the number for me was a number that would allow me to never have to work. I feel like we got top, top, top. I went from a sale of you know five hundred thousand dollars to in debt. One hundred ninety-two million dollars. This is Built to Sell Radio with your host John Warlow. Hey, this episode of Built to Sell Radio is brought to you by the Value Builder System. I had the opportunity to interview Stephanie Breedlove the other day. She sold her $9 million payroll company for a cool $54 million. How does she do it? She focused on the eight things that drive company value. Things like what we call the Switzerland structure, monopoly control, recurring revenue, all things you're going to evaluate in your own business using the Value Builder score. It takes about 15 minutes to complete the survey. Go to valuebuilder.com. Hey, if you're part of a family business, you're going to like this next story. It's with a woman named Stephanie Leshney, who started with her father's company, Ross Organic, as employee number three. Over time, she brought her sister into the company, and they grew the business to 32 employees, at which time they ultimately sold the company to a strategic buyer called Azalis, which is a Belgian-based conglomerate. Uh, Lots of really interesting stories, and particularly the big overlay here, the umbrella sort of theme, is how to successfully manage the the family dynamics that go on with the sale of a business and the transition from one generation to the next. So lots of really smart stick handling that Stephanie went through to make sure that was a success and protect, frankly, the relationship she continues to have uh, with both her sister and her father. Uh, she also talks about how to tell employees that you're thinking of selling or that you have sold your business, uh, the importance of being part of industry associations as a way to network your way to the natural acquires for your business. And we talk a little bit about the strategic rationale of why a strategic buys a business, in particular, why Azalis bought uh, Ross Organic. So in this case, I think lots to learn from Stephanie and the way she managed this family transition. Here's Stephanie Leshney. Stephanie Leshney, welcome to Build to Sell Radio. Thank you. Hello, John. Let's sort of give context for folks about Ross. So what did you guys do? What was the business you were in? So Ross Organic basically sells and sells and distributes ingredients used in the cosmetic and personal care industry. So you know the beauty industry. Okay, um, so customers- I've got a I've got a jar of Age Defender because I'm ancient and have tons of wrinkles from Kiehl's. So <laughs> Kiehl's has I don't know what does it have in it. it doesn't actually say the ingredients on here, but it ha- I mean it, it must have some chemicals. So you would it, it probably would have been on the package then before you opened it up. But yeah, yeah, if you turned over the jar or if you looked at the back of your shampoo or shaving cream, um, you name it, anything head to toe, uh, you know those are the kinds of ingredients that we would sell. The ones that you probably can't pronounce. Um, <laughs> that's definitely what we sold. But we we specialized in mostly naturally derived ingredients, also active ingredients. So, you know, peptides, you know, things that would actually, you know, perform a function in the product. Um, Are these highly commoditized? I would imagine they'd be fairly commoditized, these ingredients. No, not at all, actually. I mean, the, the, and that's sort of this, the, the business that we, you know, operated was a real specialty uh, ingredient distributor. Um, doing that alone is already, you know, a, a niche market, but then we only operated in the cosmetic and personal care space. So, um, you know, it was the specialty ingredients is, is really all we did. So our products would find themselves in, you know, um, 
what, what I guess people are calling now indie brands, you know, natural products, um, performance brands, you know, brand, brands you might see on infomercials on TV, uh, more like the mestige, prestige types of brands, because um, these are more high-end quality ingredients um, that, that we sold. Great. Would I have heard of any of the, the, uh, the end cosmetic brands that, that use it? Oh, for sure. I mean, we sold to, you know, hundreds and hundreds of, of customers. Um, anyone who, I always tell people, anyone who manufactures a cosmetic product, which isn't always every cosmetic brand, as you might imagine, but if they're manufacturing, you know, that's who we would technically sell to. Um, and we had some of the best ingredients uh, that were available in the cosmetic and personal care industry. So absolutely, yes. Many of our customers, you're very familiar with, I'm sure. So take me through the business model. Did you, did you buy the ingredients? Did you make the ingredients and then resell them? Like how, how did, like what was the economics of the business model? Like kind of getting underneath the, the covers here. So we operated on exclusive contracts with suppliers, uh, global suppliers who, um, you know, they themselves maybe didn't employ a sales arm. Uh, so we would behave and, and be their technical sales arm. Um, and selling into our region specifically. Um, we would employ technical salespeople, so former chemists who would then go out and call on our customers, you know, be able to speak the same language and, you know, visit their laboratories and help them, you know, problem solve and product development, uh, that kind of thing. We also had a laboratory um, where we could, again, um, you know, like when the Korean beauty trends were really big, you know, we, you know, created some of those in our laboratory and then we're able to go out to customers and say, hey, if you're looking to make um, a peel off mask, you know, we've got one ready to go if you'd like to use it as a starting point. And customers, you know, with <laughs> the pace of uh, launches these days found that kind of stuff really, really helpful. So, so let me understand this. So you would have an exclusive distribution agreement with a manufacturer of a chemical or, or, or a, a product. Um, that distribution agreement was exclusive for a specific region within within the United States, mm -hmm. right? And how bulletproof was that? I mean, could they blow up that agreement if they wanted to? Like, what were the penalties associated with breaking that agreement? Yeah, no, it was basically just you know, if you perform, if you're able to you know sell these products for us, then you know we'll continue on and um, pretty standard agreements uh, seen in our industry where there were exclusive agreements. You know, if you were a company operating more in the commodity space, you know, selling, um, you know, propylene glycol or glycerin or some of the really, um, you know, big volume type of ingredients. I don't think that's the typical method of operation. In those cases, I think they're not exclusive agreements, um, but our suppliers really saw value that we were providing um, in being, you know, a technical sales force. Uh, so, so they really wanted um, the exclusive relationships as well. Great. So, Talk to us about the the way you got into this business because I understand that you you joined uh, after it was started. So maybe just talk a little bit about how you got into it and 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 that evolution. Okay, um, so my dad started the company about thirty years ago, and um, I joined him during his tenth anniversary year. I specifically remember because. Um, there was the job of putting the 10th anniversary stickers on the envelopes that would go out in the mail. And that was one of the first things that I did. <laughs> I was technically his third employee. Um, I wasn't planning on working for the company. I had left a position right after college. And I think I called him 
just to let him know like, oh, I'm not going to be you know, working there anymore. And he was like, well, I really wanted you to come work for me, but you know, I kind of wanted you to get a little more experience. Um, but you know, why don't you consider coming on board? And so he hired me in the position of sales. And my first job was basically to go visit and call on all the cosmetic brands and customers that we didn't have any business with whatsoever. So it was, um, you know, I was a communication major in college and a soccer player. So I wasn't exactly, you know, primed and ready to go out and call on a bunch of chemists um, and, and, and tell them how to make cosmetic products. So it was, it was a good place for me to, to sort of learn, learn the business and feel like I could take a lot of risk because there wasn't really a whole lot to lose. Um, and it turns out I did really well with that. Uh, enjoyed it immensely and just very quickly, I would say within the first probably two to three years, realized this is this was what I really wanted to do. Um, Tell me about your feelings associated with going to work for your dad at that time. Uh, at that time, well, you know, I I didn't really want to in a way because I sort of wanted to do it on my own. But to be honest, my dad's business didn't seem all that sexy to me mm. because, you know, I was a person who would have definitely preferred to have been, been on the brand side of the business. And, you know, going and working on the ingredient side just didn't seem all that interesting. So it wasn't really something that I imagined. I also didn't like the idea of being the daughter. Um, I felt like people wouldn't take me seriously. Um, and so that was something that I didn't, wasn't really thrilled about. Um, that I felt was kind of a hurdle to overcome. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, I, so it was, it was definitely not, not what I imagined or what I, what I thought would unfold. When you're in college, it's not kind of what you aspired to do for the rest of your life. That wasn't your dream to, to work for your dad or work with your dad. No, no, it wasn't. And so what were the, so it sounds like there were a lot of negatives. Why do it? What were the positives that you saw associated with, with that? Uh, well, I, you know, I think back to like, what was it that made me love it so much? Yeah. Uh, for, for sure, the customers. I mean, I loved going out there and meeting these people. Um, it was such a diverse group of people, um, lab people. They tended to be a little, sometimes a little quieter. Um, and I just enjoyed getting to know people. I, the first time I remember the first time you know, making a sale, you know, my first sale. And I, I just thought that was amazing that there was going to be a brand on the market that had an ingredient that I helped influence. Um, and then it was just, you know, the hits just kept coming and it was, it was just felt so good. It kind of, you know, I remember thinking to myself, you know, I loved, you know, playing sports in college. I played soccer all through college and just that feeling of competition and winning, you know, I, I, I think that's something that I ended up kind of finding early on, you know, when I was a sales rep with the company, it was just, you know, I was so into it. I mean, I remember never stopping for lunch. I remember working till like nine or 10 o'clock at night, doing two lunches in a day with different clients. You know, I just, I just loved it. Interesting. And so how big did you guys get this company before you decided to exit. I know you worked for your dad. I think it was for 20 years or, or maybe, maybe. Yeah. 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 It was tw 20 years. And did he stay in the business the entire time or just at some point did he step away? Um, he, so he is still involved even to this day. He's still consulting. Um, but he turned over the business uh, essentially to me and my sister um, in 2012 
So he was able to kind of, you know, quote unquote, step back or, you know, let go a little bit at that point um, when, 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 when we did take over. So at that time, I think I had about 15 years of experience working with the company. My sister had about uh, eight or so at that time. So, um, you know, we were definitely hungry and ready and excited about that. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so, so when we took over, I guess I was a third employee. I want to say my sister was probably like number 12 or something like that. And when we, uh, sold the business, I want to say we were about 30, 32 people. Got it. Okay. Excellent. So you've substantially increased the size of the company during, during your tenure. Um, and your sisters. Tell me about the takeover or that your dad turning it over to you. I, I find this fascinating because the fi- family dynamics is not something we, we, we dig into much, but I find it interesting. When you say, um, and, and maybe this is important to get into along the way, were you being paid for the, those 15 years <laughs> a, a market rate salary or, or were, you, you know, were you getting the family discount or were you, was your dad getting the family discount? Like, were you being paid what you were working oh, on? That's, that's funny. That's funny. Yeah. I don't know if I can answer that question. <laughs> no, no. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, I guess where I'm going with, with it is, is had you earned some sweat equity in the, in those 15 years or were oh, you being for paid? Sure, yeah. you, you think you had? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, when I joined the business, it was fairly small size and, um, again, I was one of the first salespeople, um, ended up building a team to, I think, seven or nine different salespeople and uh, had a big part in helping grow and build the business. Um, but I also had that, you know, the beautiful uh, blessing of getting to see my dad doing it, seeing what he did extremely well. Um, and to be honest, you know, they were not easy shoes to fill at all. Uh, my dad's a very charismatic person, wildly intelligent. You know, he um, kind of grew up on the chemical side of the business. So he, you know, was one of these kind of guys who like sees the world in molecules and like customers would just like, you know, salivate listening to him, you know, as he would describe things. I mean, he was just an incredible resource for our customers and our suppliers. So it, it was daunting, but I, I definitely felt like, you know, with the changes in um, you know, the business changes that go on in, in probably every industry um, with, with you know, uh, the birth of, you know, social media and websites and, you know, all of this type of stuff that it was it was a good time for us to kind of to to take over. And the one thing that I used against my dad, because, you know, he was kind of holding back and holding back and we kept saying, come on, dad, you know, let us let us do this. Come on. And, you know, he always said that he wishes he wished he would have started his business when he was younger. You know, my dad didn't start the business until he was 45 years old. So I remember what finally got the deal closed was I I sat down with him and I said, dad, you know, that one regret you said you had about, you know, not starting the business until you were 45. Well, I want to take over. I want to do this when I'm really young. So, you know, here I was, you know, 35, I guess it was 35, 36 years old when, when, when I made that plea and, and it worked. So, um, yeah, it was kind of, it was, it was definitely an interesting process, you know, getting him ready, getting us ready and, and making it happen. Um, when you say taking it over, obviously there's the taking it over from the the managerial perspective. There's also the uh, the equity perspective, right? Where 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 you're taking on some ownership in the business. Had had you been taking on ownership in the form of shares or options, sort of throughout the 15 years, or was it was it was it all sort of uh, in that one transaction back in 2012? 
Yeah, it was in the one transaction. I think the transaction actually took place a little earlier, um, technically, because we 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 did it, which I think um, was really smart. Uh, my dad did it uh, post uh, 2009, which was a tough year for everybody, um, I think, in the business world. So um, uh, that was a good time to sort of get a valuation for the business, and and that's when you know the majority of uh, the shares you know were, were transferred to to my sister Erin and to myself. And again, I, I'm asking because I think people would be fascinated about the family transition. Uh, but again, if if you can't answer, it's it, totally fine. How how did um, how did you structure? You know, the, did you did you write a check to your dad? Did he say, "Look, you can buy it from me over the next twenty years"? Like, how did because you were still a relatively young person? Like, did right. you have the money to buy it at that point, or how did that work? Uh, well, I probably shouldn't get into the specifics of that. I just hadn't, uh, you know, s- spoken to him about, you know talking about that type of stuff publicly, but, um, yeah, no, we had, we had it all kind of communicated clearly between all of us. And, um, you know, I give him all the credit because he's the one who orchestrated everything and got some great advice, um, and was able to, you know, do it in, you know, the most, the best way possible, I believe. So. Great. And you took over the the CEO mantle, as I understand. Yes, I did. Yes. Which means your sister didn't. Right, right. <laughs> so it begs the question, how did that go? How did, was yeah. That, yeah. That was another on. interesting meeting. Um, and I think it speaks volumes about the relationship I have with my sister too, because, you know, we were basically trying to, to explain to my dad, like, here's how we see the company moving forward. Here's how we would structure things. And so I was sitting down with my sister and I actually, you know, had put a PowerPoint together and we talked about it. Um, and I had this, you know, top level, uh, you know, CEO COO and CTO, chief technical officer. So I have my dad, you know, uh, you know, as the chief technical officer, my sister as the COO, and then myself as the president CEO. And, and I was like, so this is what I'm thinking about pitching. You know, what do you think? And she was like, yeah, I think this is, this is perfect. This is great. You know, it, it makes sense, you know, because even though, you know, I was technically going to be the president CEO, we were still a family and we were still essentially kind of all running the business together and, you know, wanted it to feel as equal as it could um, from from a structure standpoint. And, you know, my dad always loved the technical side of the business, you know, sourcing the ingredients, um, traveling around globally. So the, ch- the chief technical officer role was perfect for him. Um, and then because, you know, I was more involved in the sales side of the business with all the brands and the suppliers, you know, it really, it just made sense that, that I would be taking on that role, um, as, as the president. And then my sister, you know, was our operational whiz, um, kind of keeping everything all together. So it just worked out perfectly where we had different skills. We all complemented each other really, really well. I think it's really unique that it worked out as well as it did. I was going to say, you sound like the poster child for the, the successful transition because it doesn't always work out quite so well. No, no. And I think what we all did was really always think about each other's feelings. You know, I, I, of course, I always had what I wanted and what I thought what I, would be best, but I always tried to go into conversations thinking, okay, how would my dad be feeling about this? Or how would, what would Aaron's take be on this? So I really tried to, you know, be sensitive to that. I mean, this was my family and I cared about them and I wanted, uh, you know, I wanted to make sure we all had really good relationships. So, you know, it did take some care and I think we all really worked hard to make sure that it did work. What was the toughest part of that transition? The transition, um, you know, the emo- I, I, I'd be interested in just kind of the most emotionally difficult part of that period, that 2011, 2012, where you're valuing the business, you're taking it over, you're mm-hmm. having the conversations with your sister. Mm-hmm. 
I would probably, you know, post, you know, getting all of that done. I just remember really vividly a night where I was, you know, going to sleep and I couldn't sleep. And I was thinking about all of our employees. And then I was thinking about the industry. And I, all of a sudden, it just dawned on me. I was like, oh my God, if this doesn't work, if we don't do well, because my dad did great. You know, he, he had year over year over year over year growth. And I all I could think was, oh my God, if this doesn't work, I'm going to be a complete failure. <laughs> so I suddenly realized like, well, there's a lot of pressure here. Um, but, uh, but I was ready for it. But it, that would be probably the moment when, you know, really was quite, you know, realized the, the magnitude of everything that I was responsible for all of these, you know, not only for my own, you know, sense of success, but for all the people that worked for us, you know, we're kind of looking my direction, hoping <laughs> that was, things were going to go well. It, it sounds like you had the practical pressure, like payroll to meet, employees to, you know, to feed figuratively. Was there also part of that pressure to, to kind of live up to your dad's sort of reputation, I guess? Uh, you know what? I realized really there's no way I was ever going to be able to do that. Um, so I needed to create my own path. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier that I was a soccer player, but it turns out that, you know, that didn't really help me very much in running the business. <laughs> Other than that, I definitely did like cultivate a team environment. Turns out I was much more of a cheerleader. Um, never thought I would say that in my lifetime, but um, I don't know. I just, I just brought in a level of enthusiasm and energy that I think was helpful. Um, also, like I mentioned, just the whole idea of team. And really, I tried to create a business that wasn't going to be about one person. Because I realized with my dad, you know, obviously it was, um, you know, like many startups and, and businesses, you know, a lot of it was surrounding him. So, you know, kind of weaning ourselves off of that a bit. And then I didn't want to create the same problem, not problem, but the same situation moving forward where it would be all about me. So we really, you know, recruited some, you know, top industry talent and, you know, created a lot of, you um, team meetings and, you know, just a, a team type of culture so that, uh, so that it didn't, that didn't happen. And so I guess, you know, I feel like that's the role that I played was more of a facilitator, cheerleader, <laughs> uh, type of role. So. Got it. So 2012 go comes and goes and ultimately the business was acquired. Tell me about what led up to the acquisition. What, what made you and Aaron think it was the right time to sell? Uh, well, um, we, we weren't planning to sell and we definitely had received, you know, many, many calls in the course of the five years that I owned the business, um, and, or that we owned the business, I should say. Uh, and I know my dad received many calls before, but those were, you know, often more impersonal, more like phishing calls and bankers and that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, no, the, the, the whole way it came about was that we had received a couple of unsolicited, um, you know, some interest, um, from, from some rather large, uh, global ingredient distribution companies. And, um, you know, the first one, I didn't call back until the second one called. And then I I just kind of realized, gee, you know, maybe, maybe this is something we should pursue and, and consider, even though we didn't think it was the right time, we still felt like we were early on in our, in our, um, careers, you know, in, in running the business, so that's that's kind of I guess how it happened. Hmm. What was the next step? So you'd received these these inbound sort of inquiries. Where did you go from there? Uh, I, well, I I think 
I had a little time to myself to think things through, you know, what did we really even want to go down this path? Because, you know, it's a, it could be a distraction to the business. So that was definitely a consideration. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I had to, you know, definitely get with my sister and my father and, and talk to them about it and see if, if how they felt about it. Um, what was their reaction? And so, uh, really positive. I mean, we were very much on the same page as far as, well, you know what, it's just something we have to, we have to consider. Um, I guess, you know, like most industries, there's a lot of consolidation going on, you know, at our, at the customer level, you know, in the beauty industry, um, but also on the supplier side of the business, uh, which does pose a bit of risk um, to the business. So it's just something that, you know, was in the back of my mind um, from a timing standpoint, maybe it wasn't, you know, you don't, you don't, I, I guess someone had told me early on in my career, you know, like, the right time. Nobody sells their business when it's like in decline and when it's doing terrible, but it is really hard to get your head around, you know, selling when you feel like, well, why would I sell, you know? (laughs) Um, so, so that's sort of what was going on in my head. Got it. And so your, your sister and your dad were relatively positive about the idea. Yes. Were they still shareholders at at the time? Yes. Okay. So there, you're, the three of you guys are shareholders. There, you all sort of would stand to gain financially if the sale went through, I presume. Right. Um, so you made the decision to consider these. What next? Did you hire an M&A professional? Did you start entertaining these conversations directly with, with, the, with the potential acquirer? Well, I, I didn't really love the idea of running a process and getting a banker and going through all of that. So that's, that's something that I, you know, didn't want to do. I didn't think we needed to do that given the situation. Um, so, uh, I had a very, very good friend. Um, so the lesson in this is have a very, very good friend, um, <laughs> That's practical. but I did have a, a good friend of mine who, you know, was running a, a business and sat on several boards who advised me throughout the deal. So I didn't need to use a banker. Um, and then, uh, you know, I had a great M&A lawyer and, and yeah, they just took off running and, uh, and did, and did, we did our thing. So, so you're, you're having the conversations with the acquirers at this point directly. Right. Right. Got so you've got two, I, I understand the company was acquired ultimately by Azalis, but there was another similar size company that was interested. Right. Right. And I mean, in, in our industry, I mean, all of these companies are highly acquisitive. Everybody's, you know, buying everybody. It's, it's, I'm sure it's just like many industries. It was just rampant. And, um, so yeah, we, we did have another really nice, uh, company and I'm sure it could have had others as well, but, um, you know, I really, uh, knew Azalis well. Um, I knew the president and CEO, uh, personally, you know, he'd been in the industry a really long time. And so that was really nice to have that sort of relationship going into it. So Azalis is a Belgian company originally. What, what, what do they do? Uh, well, they, you know, most, well, so they service the world with ingredients, okay. <laughs> um, you know, whether it be for cosmetic and personal care applications, you know, nutritional food, um, uh, industrial ingredients, um, agricultural, so various end markets, um, and all over the world. Uh, so, you know, our company of course was in the cosmetic personal care space and, you know, that was a space that they were looking to, um, improve their footprint. And also I think geographically, you know, we were in California and I think that was a nice, it made 
a lot of sense. And Azalis had its own sales force, I'm assuming, that called on the the brands? Uh, they had their own, they have, well, based, not really, no, because what, what their business was, was acquiring these distributors, okay. people like our, you know, just like us, and then sort of operating and continuing to operate them independently. You know, of course, finding synergies, but like um, really uh, operating the businesses independently. And that was really appealing to us um, to, to do that. We felt it was, you know, made a lot of sense um, uh, for, for our, again, for the employees, you know, you, you, you have to look in the mirror and ask yourself, you know, am I really doing the right thing? And, you know, it, it made sense. Um, and I really do believe that the business is in a better position uh, as part of Azalis, um, given the various threats in the supplier side of the business and the continued consolidation at the customer level, you know, being a bigger, larger organization is, is really been extraordinarily helpful for the business. So makes sense. So how far into the conversations did you get with the other provider? I mean, did you guys get to a term sheet where they put together their view of valuation and, and key deal terms? Well, I can't, you know, I really probably shouldn't uh, go into those details um, specifically. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, 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 you know, I figured out pretty early on, you know, that uh, I wanted to move forward with the Azalis folks and, and we went right off to the races together. So that's great. So yeah, it all happened very quickly. I think. I understand there's there's you, you can't share any of the deal terms because of the confidentiality agreement you signed with Azalius. Would would you be able to give a sense to folks how they thought about valuation? I'd be curious. Again, I I've realized you can't say how they valued the business or what you know what the value was, but was your sense that they were valuing? it based on a multiple of EBITDA or a multiple of revenue? Or were they thinking about like cost per employee? Sometimes we hear about these aqua hires where they're putting a, a sort of price on each employee in your company. Like, did you get any sense from the negotiations what what they were valuing or how they were valuing your business? Uh, you know, I it would be, I don't know exactly what their thought process was, um, but, you know, just in talking to other companies and, you know, over the years, I think that, you know, looking at different end markets and increasing presence in that market, you know, the cosmetic personal care market was, you know, what they were really focused on and, and increasing share with certain suppliers, um, strengthening that, those relationships. I think that was probably had a lot to do with it. I'm not exactly sure what the, the calculation was or, or how they, how they did that. But, um, but, uh, but yeah, it was it was mostly because of their strategic reasons of wanting to increase their footprint um, and strength uh, as as the leading you know specialty ingredient distributor in in the United States. We've talked a lot about on this show the difference between a financial acquisition and a strategic acquisition. Clearly, yours was a strategic acquisition, and and I think the rationale uh, makes makes perfect sense given given what they were trying to do i was gonna i was i was curious because if, if they had salespeople, you know one approach if you're azaleas with salespeople in southern california would be to say well why do we need to buy ross why don't we just basically go directly to the people they have exclusivity agreements get them to renege mm -hmm. on those exclusivity agreements and and basically take their business but but that wasn't the case they did not have sales reps and they saw that their way to get to the southern california market or, or the you know, was was 
by keeping your company sort of operating as it as it has done, as I understand. Is that would that be fair to say? Precisely. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. It's a fascinating to get underneath the sort of thinking process of some of these massive companies. How mm-hmm. you know you're self-described your your words, not mine, cheerleader for your company. That was your you were you took those sort of things you learned as a as a soccer player, elite soccer player, and sort of brought them to your company. Um, I'd be curious to know how you sort of broke the news to the team about the sale. Oh gosh. Um uh well, you know, again, I got some great advice from another uh, friend of mine who ran a family business and just thought she'd never sell and then sold her business. And I basically, you know, used her advice, which was based, I, you know, I told the employees, you know, listen, we've always tried to do the right thing for for everyone here. You know, everybody knows that. Um you know, we've gone out of our way to create an amazing work environment and experience for everyone. And we also had a, a, a business and a culture that really valued families. And so it, it only made sense that, uh, you know, we would take care of ourselves at some point um, and, and give ourselves that same kind of respect. And so it was really just a family decision. And, uh, you know, I think I may have, I think I may have shed a few tears, which, I tried not to do that often over my career, but um, <laughs> I definitely think I did. It was really emotional to 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 break the news, but I was also, I think, emotionally at a point where I realized that I thought it was going to be best for the business, and I felt pretty confident in that. So I was like a little bit ahead emotionally. So just kind of taking myself back and you know letting people ask questions and and talk openly about it. Um, and of course it made people feel really good knowing that, you know, everybody, you know, the, the business was basically going to stay intact and, you know, we're going to continue to operate as, as Ross organic and, uh, we're just gonna be part of a bigger family. So, you know, um, I had talked extensively with, uh, Frank Berganzi, who's the president and CEO of Azalea's Americas about, about, you know, messaging and strategy and, um, you know, we were just really aligned that way. So it made it a lot smoother. Um, and, and people were really accepting, it was it was really nice. So the the emotional reaction was mostly on your end, as opposed to your employees. Did did any any of your employees have a have a major emotional reaction, either positive or negatively, towards the news? I mean, the, the reaction I would describe is like, I mean, I've seen people leave the company before, and you know, you hug people goodbye, and some people shed tears, like, "Oh, I'm going to miss you," because you know, you really become part of someone's life. That's kind of the reaction that I got more than anything um, was. A personal one, like, oh, I love you, and I've loved working for you, and not like, you know, the business just goes on. I mean, that's what's so amazing about these kind of things, and and that's what I was really proud of too, is that you know we had created a business where you know it could just go on, and that believe me, there were some days post transaction where I was like, hey, what? Don't you guys think I'm amazing? Don't you miss me? <laughs> <laughs> and you know, maybe my dad and my sister both felt the same way, but you know, just seeing it evolve, um, and and continue to perform so well was, was really, really, I think, uh, a big pat on the back. So it made me feel really good. What was the emotional, um, the emotional journey you went through after the sale? Maybe you could talk a little bit about some of the emotions that you felt sort of post-transaction. Um, well, I don't think I felt a lot of emotions during the transaction. I was really, very machine-like. Um, I had a lot going on in my life uh, personally at the time. 
um, that was, I think, enough to handle. And then throwing in an acquisition on top of that, um, it was really just incredibly intense. And I didn't really allow myself any time to process. So I just absorbed so much. And I would say that post-transaction, um, I finally breathed a little bit and, you know, realized that my, my heart and my chest wasn't pounding <laughs> anymore, like quite as loud. Um, and so, yeah, it was really a gradual process kind of coming off of that transaction and, um, processing it took a lot of time. Um, it took a little bit longer than I would have expected. Hmm. What are you focused on now? Now? Um, well, I just got back from a three mile run. Um, I'm picking <laughs> my kids up <laughs> from school today. Uh, I am advising a little bit um, with the company still, but uh, that probably won't go on a whole lot longer. Um, they're doing so well. And, and I'm, you know, I am trying to figure out what I am going to do with the rest of my life. Um, for sure. Uh, so yeah, no, I, I'm definitely just sort of going through figuring out what that is. You know, um, my identity was so wrapped up in the business for the 20 years, um, that I spent there. It's, it's been quite a process, um, peeling back the layers and, and figuring out, you know, okay, outside of this person, this daughter, this, you know, who am I and, and what is next for me? So I haven't quite gotten there yet, um, but I'm definitely making progress. <laughs> That's good. You know, I have to ask about the dynamic, which is kind of why I was asking about the 2012 transaction. Um, you know, I've heard it described by some um, kids of founders when they sell the business, they feel a, a, a sense of uh, dividedness maybe is the right word because their mother or father have passed down this business in some way, shape or form. And, and you can imagine, you know, them tinkering with a, a beautiful 19, whatever, 59 Mustang for 40 years and then giving it to, to their son or daughter uh, yeah. with the view they're going to, you know, take care of it for the next generation and they turn around and sell it, you know, for the highest right. bidder. Right. Was there any of that sort of dynamic in your mind that you felt... Um. Yeah, I mean, of course, I thought about that. Um, but my dad knew and that my sister and I were so committed to the business. I mean, it wasn't like we had just come in to take over. You know, I'd been there 20 years at that point. Um, so so I don't think that was really a big part of it. Um, but it was definitely something I was aware of. Um, so I was really sensitive um, to my dad and just making sure, making you know, taking extra time to talk, make sure he felt good about everything. Um, it turns out it's been just really amazing thing to see my dad, you know, in his 70s now, being able to take that next step of, of letting go. Because I think when my sister and I took over the company five years ago, you know, that was one level of like, you know, maybe he slept at night a little bit easier, not having to worry about payroll and all these different things, but he was still worrying about his daughters. He absolutely still worried about us. And he still had, you know, a role in the company. And so I think now, you know, just getting to see him, kind of to go through the same process I've been going through, um, you know, realizing that there is something more to him other than this business. You know, he's, he's a grandpa of six grandkids right now. And it's just been incredibly rewarding to see him uh, get to enjoy that more, travel with my mom freely. Uh, you know, so my mom is benefiting greatly from this. Um, he's smiling so much more. He's just at ease and, 
it's been one of the best gifts of, of the, uh, of all of it has been to see my dad get to have that, um, opportunity and that chance to, you know, live his seventies a little with less, with, without having any major concerns or worries. So I'm really proud of that. Yeah. It must be a, a huge reward to think that you in some way facilitate that for him. Yeah. And I don't think that's some, it's not something that we were really thinking about from the beginning. It's just something that I've realized has been happening. And, and that's, yeah, it's, it's amazing. If you had a friend, uh, you're, who asked you, Stephanie, like love some advice, you know, I'm going through the sale of my business. Um, what would you, what would you tell him or her? What, what's the one kind of thing that you might want to impart on them if you were asked that question? Well, you know, our business was a family business, so family legacy, um, and my father specifically was really important to us. So that's something that, you know, I was really focused on, and and that's what had me um, had us partner up with Azalis. I wanted to make sure that the company was going to be in the best hands, and that I truly believed that it was going to be um, the best way forward. Um, and, you know, we had great rapport already from the beginning. Um, and trust, I would say, like, I would even, I guess, maybe chemistry, <laughs> you know, there was a, I really, really liked the buyers. I mean, I knew them, I've spent 20 years of my life in the industry. Um, so I guess, I mean, the advice I would give is, yeah, I mean, you have to kind of know everybody, you know, get to know as many people as you can get involved in all the industry associations. Um, and then, you know, really know what's important to you. Um, and, and what was really important to us was family legacy, um, and, and the employees and making sure that we felt like they were going to be in the, in the best place. The only other advice I would give is if it's possible, you know, I wouldn't recommend going through a process with, you know, heavy stuff going on in your personal life. <laughs> um, you know, I, I was really surprised with how much emotional energy it took. Um, it was just constant, you know, um, if I wasn't on a phone call, I was, you know, just lost in thought. Um, and it was, you know, I had three kids, I had a husband, my, my mother-in-law had passed away. I had a child with a, going through some pretty tough stuff and it was just really hard to, to keep it all together. Um, uh, so yeah, I, I would definitely not recommend that if there's any way you could control that, just be aware that selling a business can be very, very emotionally challenging and, um, putting anything else on top of that is, is almost impossible <laughs> to deal with. Well, I hope that uh, all of the things, both personally and professionally, work out for the better as time goes on. And I um, really appreciate you sharing that story with us, Stephanie. What's the best way for, if people want to say hi, uh, do, you, do you have a LinkedIn profile they can, they can reach out to you on? Or is there a website you want them to visit? Or is there any way they can say hi if they want to uh, do so? Oh, yeah. We have a lot of free time to say hi these days. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I am on LinkedIn, uh, Stephanie Ross Leshney. Um, and Leshney and is spelled L-E-S-H-N-E-Y, as I understand it. L-E-S-H-N-E-Y. Yes, exactly. Awesome. Stephanie, thanks very much for joining us. Oh, you're so welcome. It was so nice talking to you. Thanks for listening to Built to Sell Radio with John Warlow. For complete show notes with links to additional resources, visit builttosell.com slash blog. John is the founder of the Value Builder System. To find out how to improve the value of your business by 71%, visit valuebuildersystem.com.
John is also the author of Built to Sell, creating a business that can thrive without you, and the automatic customer, creating a subscription business in any industry. Connect with John at facebook.com slash built to sell or on Twitter at John Warlow, W-A-R-R-I-L-L-O-W. Thanks for listening.